0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Thank you so much for being here today. And Just to let you know, we still have plenty of room to grow in here. And so don't stop inviting, don't stop coming. We have plenty of room to grow. Last week, our 11 o'clock service was jam-packed and we're making more and more room as more and more people feel comfortable coming back physically to church. But welcome whether you're here physically or you're joining us digitally. We are so glad that you are here. Today we look at a passage of scripture in Philippians that really is that anthem of give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You know there's not a whole lot of things I'm confident at in life uh, but you know a buffet's one of them and another thing is I love reading I love reading books to my kids I love reading the Bible and I'm a pretty confident reader but every so often there's a book that comes out that absolutely kicks my confidence right in the teeth and this is one such book it's a book that my kids love I hate it I just can't stand it I don't know if you have ever heard it It's, it's the wonky donkey anybody ever heard the let me just read a little excerpt for you okay here's how the book starts I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey. Hee haw! And he had only three legs and one eye. And so he was a winky wonky donkey. Now, listen, the whole book builds that way, okay? Until you get to the very, very end of the book. And here's how it reads. Now, I've been practicing this all week. So if I mess up, you be graceful. Here we go. You ready? I was walking down the road. I saw a donkey. Hee-haw. He had only three legs, one eye, and liked to listen to country music. Was quite tall and slim and smelled really, really bad. Some of y'all think I'm describing your husband right now. Anyway, that morning he'd got up early and hadn't had any coffee, and he was always getting into mischief, but he was a quite good-looking donkey. He was a spunky, hanky-panky, cranky, stinky-dinky, lanky-honky-tonky, winky-wonky donkey. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, thank you so much. Man, all this morning, just practicing, making sure I, I did this right. Listen, it just, man, this kicks my confidence. Man, I'll read you the whole book of Leviticus today and not break a sweat. That right there made me nervous. Man, it hit me in the confidence. Hey, isn't that what happens a little bit sometimes with our joy? That you and I get to a place where we are confident that Jesus is at the center of our joy, that Jesus is our greatest joy just to have someone or something come along that just kicks our confidence right out from underneath us so the question this morning as we study the book of Philippians as we talk about what it really is to have joy in Christ which makes us the happiest we can be the question is is how can you and I have a joy that is both consistent and confident and here's where we're going to wind up today for us to have a joy that's both consistent and confident you and I must have a Christ confidence, a confidence that is found, fueled, and focused in Christ and in Christ alone. If you remember from last week, we confronted in the text Judaizers who were pushing a Jesus and message, whereas Paul preached the Jesus only gospel gospel. And today, Paul again challenges these Judaizers in their teachings by showing that their legalism produced a form of cockiness in their own achievements, their own accomplishments, whereas the gospel of Jesus Christ produces confidence in him and in him alone. So here's where we find ourselves today. You ready? We either find ourselves at a place where in our faith we are we are cocky with a high view of ourselves and confidence in ourselves. Or we find ourselves cowardice with a low view of God and the truth is we don't have confidence in much of anything. Or we can find ourselves in the place of Paul in the text today, where we are confident in Christ, which combines a high view of God, a low view of self, and the confidence that found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3 together. In Philippians chapter 3, I want us to re- retract a little bit, backtrack a little bit to where we were last week. And watch what Paul writes here in verse 3. He says this, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ, and who put what? No confidence in the flesh. Our boast is Jesus. We put no confidence in our flesh. Here in chapter 3, as we go on in verse 4, Paul goes on to challenge these Judaizers that our confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. And if anyone has reason to have confidence in the work of their own hands, as we're going to see, it's Paul. If anyone has confidence, should have confidence in themselves, their own accomplishments, it ought to be Paul. Watch this in verse 4. You ready? It says this as Paul writes, I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Watch what he lists here, verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, thoughtless. What an incredible resume. My brother has preached through this passage before, and I love an alliteration that he uses to help us to remember really What would all Paul's resume look like? You ready? Here's what Paul had right. Paul had the right ceremony and ritual. In verse 5, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He bore the physical marks of being of the people of God. He had the right connections and relationships, verse 5, with the people of Israel, a member of God's people, his chosen nation. He had the right credibility and respectability, in verse 5, of the tribe of Benjamin, the most celebrated, held in the highest of esteem, tribes among the 12 tribes of Israel. He had the right crew and the right race. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. His parents were both pure-blooded. They were pure Hebrews. He came from the right family. He also had the right credentials and the right religion. In verse 5, in regard to the law, he says, I'm a Pharisee. Now, understand this about Pharisees they were atop of the religious pyramid in Jewish culture. He was the most religious of the religious, he had the right conviction. And the right rage. Look at this in verse 6. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Paul was a passionate persecutor of the enemies of Judaism. And at that time, the enemy of the day was Christianity. And you know what? He persecuted them well. Hey, listen to this. Not only did he have all those things right, but he had the right character and the right righteousness. Look at verse 6. As to righteousness under the law, thoughtless. Blameless. When it came to the actual keeping of the law of God, he was without fault, he was without fail, he was without flinching. Now, what a resume we have before us here in Philippians chapter 3. However, as this text continues to play out, what we're going to find is even with such an incredible resume, any of the Philippians would have loved to have this resume, that even with this resume, it really didn't produce confidence in Paul, rather a cockiness in his own achievements and a high view of only himself. Hey, church, let me ask you a question. Where does your confidence lie today? Hey, better yet, who does your confidence reside in? Are you cocky with a high view of self and and, and high confidence in yourself? Are you cowardice with a low view of God and no confidence in anything at all? Or can he say this morning, you know what, today I have a Christ confidence. Well, Paul writes here, look at verse 7, let's do that together. He says this, but whatever was to my gain... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Think of that word loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen to that loss, loss, and lost. I love that word in the Greek. We also find it in places like um, Acts chapter 27 when it spoke of crewmen who were in the midst of a storm out on the sea. And what they did was they took their cargo, and in order to save everybody's life, you know what they did? They took all the cargo, threw it overboard to save everyone's life. It's the same word that was used back to describe the actual losing of cargo. Now, here's the deal. The cargo had some great value and some great worth, but here's what we find. I love what one commentator said. The cargo was valuable, but it quickly became worthless when the, when the sailors face the storm. You know, it's amazing to me. What quickly becomes worthless in our lives when you and I face various storms? You know what happens sometimes? is The truth is in life, when storms come, we have far more confidence in the cargo we've collected than the very captain of our faith, whose name is Jesus. Hey, where does your confidence lie? Listen, as Paul continues to write here in the text, he says this. Hey, that resume, I don't only, only consider it a loss, but I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that through faith, now watch this, in Christ. In Christ. Now, watch this. You ready? As Paul writes various letters in the New Testament, do you know that he includes the phrase in Christ over a hundred times in his writings? I guess the question comes where does our confidence come from? Maybe, just maybe, that's the answer. But he says all of this is garbage. Now, the English language cleans this word up, okay? Um, this word garbage in the text. Um, is actually just a little bit more offensive, okay? But now I've made a rule with my kids, especially now that they've started back school, we we can't use potty words, all right? Because they're going to go to school and use a potty word and it's going to look bad on us, right? So we've sworn off potty words. And so that word garbage, I'm just going to give you a quick visual and I'm going to put it back in the box. You ready? The word garbage literally translates. You kind of get it? Right? We put away gar- potty words, so I can't say it because my kids are going to be here and we, we promise not to do it. So here's the deal. When Paul says garbage, literally he's referring to. All right, here we go. And all of that is garbage compared to Christ. And I love, I love this, this conversation that Paul has that he lets us in on about his resume. Because here's the truth. When Jesus saved Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Paul realized that the very things that he had placed his confidence in were empty and produced nothing more than cockiness in his own flesh. Hey, it wasn't the ceremony that brought his joy and confidence. It was Christ. It wasn't his connections, his credibility. It wasn't his crew, his credentials. It wasn't his conviction or his character. At the end of the day, the rituals, the relationships, the respectability, his race, his religion, his righteousness, left him empty, longing, and unsatisfied. That was until Jesus stepped into a story, saved him, and became the confidence that Paul needed in this life. Church, what are you putting your confidence in that at the end of the day will still leave you empty, longing, unsatisfied, and either cocky in yourself or cowardice in your relationship with God? You know what? When I came to Jesus, I realized that nothing in this world Could satisfy me like him. Nothing, and this is not just preacher talk, this is what I know to be true in my faith. Nothing in this world can sustain me like him. A great song that Zach sang at the end. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. In the morning, when I rise. My favorite part of that that always chokes me, I don't know why, but when I come to die, when I come to die, he's where my hope has been. He's where my confidence is found. So when I come to die, give me Jesus. That's the very anthem of the passage that we have read today from Paul, is give me Jesus. No matter the resume of Paul, everything was a loss. Everything was garbage. Everything was compared to Jesus. Paul continues to write on in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. Let's read. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And here's what we begin to learn as Paul teaches us about our confidence in Christ. You ready? Number one, our confidence in Christ is personal. Guys, you got to take it personally. He says, I want to know Christ. Here's what we know, that you and I, for confidence in Christ, we must take Jesus personally, walk with him purposefully, and follow him passionately. There is no confidence in Christ to be found if we are not committed to know him more and more. In our everyday lives, through through prayer, through spending time in his word, They're serving him through his church. They're serving others. They're sharing the gospel. Guys, apart from those things, confidence in Jesus is hard to find. But not only do we need to take our confidence in Christ personally, but we must recognize that our confidence in Christ is powerful. Paul writes that he wants to know the power of his resurrection. For Paul in the Christian life, listen, for Paul... The Christian life was impossible. In his own strength, he could do nothing. He could be nothing. He could accomplish nothing worthwhile. But there is power in Christ's church. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that brings you and I life. And that's the very same power that builds our confidence in Jesus. But not only is our should we take our confidence personally? Not only should we recognize that our confidence in Christ is powerful, but at times hear me, our confidence in Jesus can be painful. Watch, watch what Paul writes. And may share in Jesus' suffering. Paul welcomes suffering in and with. Christ. You know what's amazing about Christianity today is we want power without the pain. If we're not careful, we want intimacy without any injury. We want happiness without hurting. We want blessings without burden. But there is a purpose in every pain. Pain produces confidence. Hear me, church, not in ourselves, but confidence in Christ. And the last thing we learn about Paul in our Confidence is that our confidence in Christ is practical. He says, becoming like him in his death. In fact, Jesus taught this. We talked about it last week in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me, Jesus said. But Here's the truth. As we get to this Sunday morning, the truth is is that many of us are not carrying out The calling that God has placed on our lives because we're lacking in our confidence in Christ. We're just struggling there. Cockiness, this high view of self, this high confidence in self is not the calling of God, but it's the caving to our flesh. Cowardice, this low view of God. And this idea that I have no confidence to put anywhere is not the calling of God because it caves to others. Whereas confidence in Christ combines a high view of God, a low view of self that emboldens every believer to carry out the call of God in our lives. It was the this very same confidence that Paul wrote all the way back in chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, he writes, that he who began a... Good work, and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, can I throw out a a warning just real quick, Christian? And we live in a cultural climate that puffs up self confidence. Hey, church, hear me. Just like Paul, we realize that this old flesh, this old self, is flawed, is broken, and is sinful at best what we find in the text today is a christ confidence not just a self confidence are you are you christ confident does your confidence flow from your relationship with christ do you see yourself as god sees you in christ you know i think of such confidence was the very confidence in Christ that allowed Stephen the first martyr as a Christian to preach the gospel while even being stoned to death until his dying breath it is such confidence in Christ that Peter and the Apostles stood before the high priest after being in prison with orders to stop sharing the gospel and they would reply we must obey God rather than men in Acts chapter 5 it is such confidence in Christ that allowed Paul and Silas to sing out in the middle of the Night while they were imprisoned in the Philippian jail in Acts chapter 16 and walk out of that very same jail that night, free men. Hear me from Stephen to Peter to Paul. Their confidence was not in themselves or what they could do, their confidence was in Christ and Christ alone. Hear me, church, cocky people. Never accomplish anything for God. And here's the reason why. You ready? Because they work for themselves their own glory, their own good. Just ask Paul in his resume in this text. Cowardice people accomplish nothing for God because their fears keep them from carrying out what God has called them to do. But oh, how God can use a believer who is Christ confident to build his kingdom and to move mountains. Christian, hear me. God never intended for you to be cocky and confident in yourself. God never intended for you to be given to cowardice, having no confidence at all. In fact, he sent Jesus. He saved you, gave you his spirit so that you can live and walk And talk and face every challenge, every celebration of your life with Christ's confidence. Years ago when I was a teenager, I had a prayer partner in our community by the name of Dr. Jim Corton. Uh, Many of you know him. He's probably delivered, several of you in the room. Uh, Just a wonderful doctor in our community. Here's what I love about him. As I was young in my faith, I I thought really preachers were the only ones who could live out faith and make a difference for the kingdom. And he showed that through his practice, through his life, through his children, that men and all of us have a part. God uses whatever calling he's placed on our life. And really, one of the godliest men I know still to this day. But we would meet together in his office, and we would pray together. We would study the Bible together. Well, it was coming up on my birthday over 20 years ago. And he had actually brought me a present to my birthday Bible study meeting with him. And listen, here's what I thought. He's a doctor. The package is small. I'm getting a new truck, right? That's really in my mind where it all went to. And so I thought, man, I I can't wait to open this thing. So we get through the Bible study. Really didn't care much about the Bible study. I wanted to open the box. And so I did. I opened the box. And to my great surprise, there was a small glass inkwell in it. It's too small to have keys inside the inkwell and so I was pretty bummed. And, and uh, you know what an inkwell is, right? You put ink in there and back in the day they would put a quill or some other writing ut- instrument in there and they would, they would use it to get ink on their writing tool. I thought, man, this is great. You, know, you ever get a gift that you're underwhelmed with and you try to act like it's the greatest thing ever? So I played it up. I man, this is awesome. Thank you. I love it. And, and then he said, look at the inscription on it. So I did. And there's a small inscription that has survived now over 20 years. And it talks about Martin Luther. Now, now remember this Martin Luther, and I mention him quite often, one of the most important figures in Western civilization. In the history of the world, this man changed the world. From his 95 Theses that he, that he nailed to the church doors uh, he began the Protestant Revolution with this idea that the Word of God was a source of truth and authority for the church. And, and the truth is that a person is saved not by their works, but by Jesus and Jesus alone. Revolutionized, changed the world. Let me read this inscription to you. It says this on this inkwell. Martin Luther, among other things, is famous for throwing an inkwell at Satan. Which crashed against the wall, leaving a big ink stain. Was he losing his mind? Well, if you consider that Satan is not omnipresent and can only be in one place at one time, he probably was tormenting Martin Luther because of all that Martin was about to accomplish for the Lord. And here's what I loved about it. And here's what has lasted over 20 years on my desk I give you this inkwell. For the day when the devil considers you such a thorn in his side that he decides to come himself instead of sending one of his lightweights until that day. Until that day. You know what? That day will only come in my life and in your life when our confidence is found in Christ in Christ alone the day that the enemy himself Satan himself would come after me is the day where my confidence is found in Christ where I stand Christ confidence a confidence in Christ that reminds the devil as in 1st John 4 4 that greater is he that's in me than is in this world a Christ confidence that reminds our enemies that we are friends of God through Christ in John chapter 15 A Christ's confidence that reminds our storms, as in Mark 4, that Jesus whom we serve speaks to and the winds and seas obey him. It's a Christ confidence that reminds our tragedies in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus has taken the sting out of death. It is a Christ confidence that reminds our pains of what James 1 teaches that the pain we are feeling now cannot compare to the joy that's coming. It's a Christ confidence that reminds our hurting that of Revelation 21 that it won't always be this way. Because our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. So, believer, let me ask you this Where does your confidence lie? Have you gotten to a place where you become pretty confident and cocky in yourself, your resume, the work of your own hands? Are you at a place where really all you know is cowardice because you have a low view of God and and the truth is, is you're scared to do anything for him and so you have no confidence at all? Hear me, that was never God's intention with your life. God's will, God's desire, God's longing for your life is to walk. Christ confident day in and day out. And just as Paul challenges church, hear me. Make your confidence in Christ personal. You have, to be, you have to walk with Him on purpose. It just doesn't happen to us. Know that Christ's confidence is powerful, at times, it may even be painful. But it is always practical, no matter the situations and circumstances in your life. And you know what? Here's to the day that you and I are so confident in Christ that the devil doesn't send one of his lightweights to deal with us, but that you and I take on the devil himself with all the confidence in the world of the Jesus who lives in us. Let's pray together. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.